Hello, I am Carmel Jane here on my first sh official show as Carmel Jane Talks Business. I'm here with you through until three o'clock this afternoon. I've got a fantastic guest in today. She is, I think, my favourite entrepreneur. Her name is Laura Moody. And for the yummy mummies out there and people who are on trend will have heard of Rosa and Bo, which do teething products and, and Russian dolls, really bespoke, beautiful uh, children's uh, and babies' products. We're going to be talking to her all about her journey of how she, she went out to China and she's, she's had things... Um, made and it's at the high risk and, and actually getting products to market and distribution. Amazing story. So stay in here with us and we we're going to hear all about her journey. Laura's been brilliant. You started life as a midwife, didn't you, Laura? Yes. Um, well, I started as a nurse, um, a general nurse. Um, I trained when I was 17 and um, qualified, I think, when I was 20 and now uh, worked in A&E. And um, that's when I started um, my life in business um, as a bit of a side hustle to, to that job and um, went on to train to be a midwife, which I still do now as well. You're still working as a midwife? Yes, just uh, very part-time. Just keeping it busy. And so you're about 23 and you got on an aeroplane and flew out to China, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. Um, I started, um, I'd already been traveling, um, so I was quite familiar with um, with Southeast Asia. Um, and I um, had a bit of a Dragon's Den moment. I really enjoyed the show. And I thought, oh, that looks like fun. That looks like a bit of excitement. I think uh, maybe I'll give that a go. And um, it was, even though it was, it was still quite a long time ago, so the internet was um, um, established, but still in its infancy, so you couldn't just go online and and find these things. So the most appropriate for the, for the thing is to do is people listening. This is we're only talking twelve years ago, and yet you, you couldn't just go and search everything. You actually say had to physically get on the aeroplane and and head out to to Southeast Asia and and find suppliers. Yeah, that's right. How did you feel getting on that air? So, so what did you go out there to buy? Uh, so essentially, the my first idea was a um, a fob watch, so a nurse's watch that hangs upside down. Um, this was back then. There was literally just one or two different designs that you could buy. They were very boring, and I wanted to make um, cats and dogs and stars and and use different materials. And I wanted to um, jazz up, I suppose, as a twenty three year old nurse, um, a uniform. So I, I went out to look for a watch supplier. Brilliant. And were you one of the first ones in the UK to be doing this kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got the <laughs> both the biggest selection of fob watches, I suppose, probably of any company in the world. So it's a little bit niche. Um, absolutely. So um, and and now you. Um, You've got a bigger company that that went on to your funky medical, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. So um, a few years after that, I um, I built up the range to basically offer anything that nurses and midwives might need that the NHS either wouldn't provide or um, everything we have um, has a, a funky touch to it, I suppose. So um, you know, if you can get a plain stethoscope or you can get a pink one with Betty Boop on it, type thing. So we offered Making that selection, a bit, a bit desirable, I suppose, and a bit of fun. Yeah. Um, so how did you do it? So you're working as a midwife, which I'm pretty sure is not the easiest job in the world. It's kind of long hours and it's pretty stressful. And you're starting up a whole website, e-commerce, which is not easy. How did, how did you get that balance? And when did you start cutting back your hours as a midwife? Um, I didn't cut back my hours um, for, for many years, in fact, actually. Um, so for probably about six or seven years, I wouldn't have thought. So I was doing it. I mean, it, it did probably was a little bit easier that I wasn't a mother at that point. Um, can I just so, say for people who are listening and they can't see that Laura is sitting here 
39 weeks pregnant with her second child. <laughs> Hashtag things that women in business have to deal with. She almost <laughs> wasn't here with high blood pressure. Um, and so just amazing because anyone out there listening who've got kids know how hard it is. But you, you did a lot of this, a lot of this build up before you had your first, you got daughter Sienna already, haven't you? That's right. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, I did do a lot of this um, initial work um, when I had um, no um, commitments as such. And a bit younger and you can do Oh, absolutely, and, and, and you have no fear at that age, and it's like, oh, this is all a bit of a game, I suppose, and exciting, and um, because that's it. Like, I, I really believe in, in on entrepreneurs, especially female entrepreneurs, just believing bigger and taking those risks, which I don't think as women we always do take risks, and and, and you just put it down to age. Um, age and confidence, I think. Yeah, age and confidence, and you just went out there and did it. That's yeah. amazing. So I'm Carmel Jane here with Carmel Jane Talks Business. I have one of my most favourite entrepreneurs in, Laura Moody, who has been telling us how at 23 she flew out to China um, and then she started selling funk on Funky Medical, fantastic, fun uh, medical things for midwives and nurses. And then that was all going along very well. Laura had a baby. And then what was the next stage in your development? What, what was the next thing that you came out with? Um, so yes, I had my daughter in 2013. Um, the business was going well. By this point, we had moved into a, um, a warehouse. We had um, a small team, um, and things were ticking on quite nicely. Um, so I got that that buzz, which I think a lot of entrepreneurs get. That oh, what's next? Um, and I, because I had, um, because Sienna was such a focal point in in my life, I started to look at problems. Um, that I had with her and uh, ways that I could fix those. Um, so I love this. So it was you had a you had a young child and you're thinking these are the problems and it's, this is such entrepreneurial thinking, isn't it? How can I solve them? And and the exciting and the new. So what, what was the first thing you came up with with Sienna? Um, so the first thing we did was a product called Prampex, which were um, basically universal clips that can go onto any kind of pushchair or pram um, to hold on accessories. So the issue that I had was um, Sienna lost her her toy. Um, it was hey, a little, and all um, the mums out there have been there, haven't you? Yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. Trying to find that cuddly at night time, they won't sleep because it's fallen out of the pram. Yeah, and this was um, particularly uh, precious to us as well because it was um, my brother-in-law worked in Harrods at the time and it was a Harrods, my first puppy, and we called him Harry and he was lovely. And um, he had been with her from literally her first photo and now he was gone. Um, and we did find him again, fortunately. He was um, just sitting on a wall somewhere. Harry was saved, this is good news. Yes, absolutely. But I thought, why isn't there just a clip that will fit to the... And, Obviously, you can use anything to clip to a hood, but the thick handlebars, you can't. So I went and sourced a, a peg that could universally fit. Let's, let's take it back on. because I say so I've got my big photography business and it's, it's really great, but I've never sourced products. So you just go, I go and source a product. How do you go and source a product? Um, I think a lot of it comes down to connections these days and people that I've known that I've built up over the years. Um, there are obviously um, websites and stuff out there that you can use um, to look for certain suppliers. Um, I mean, and then build relationships from there. Um, so did you have to get your pram pegs designed and someone make them or was it people sort of making the components to put it together? So with the pram pegs, there was actually already a, a similar clip on the market that would do that job that um, wasn't being used in the nursery industry. So this is, again, this is another one of my kind of tricks of the trade, I suppose. It was... It, it saved me a lot of tooling and design costs by just implementing a product that was used elsewhere and into a different it. market. Yeah, a, a different thing. And I'm, I'm sure that all your your pram pegs are quite cool and fun and things that appeal to mummy as much as the baby. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. 
And then, so you had the pram picks, and how did it grow from there? So by this stage, so Laura's now got Rosa and Bow, which is a very high-end, beautiful, it's quite a small selection at the moment, but mm. really fantastic products. When did Funky Medical then turn in, or hasn't turned into, but when did Rosa and Bow really start? Well, um, originally we were called uh, Little Rosa. That was one of the, which is the my daughter's middle name, so she's Sienna Rosa. Um, and um, we had some trademark issues uh, regarding the name, which was one of the biggest headaches I've ever had in businesses, in having business. So we, we rebranded the entire range so you, you and created two two yeah. two characters and the two characters the the rosa and the and the baby bow bunny were born so we've got the rabbit and the uh and the doll which is to reflect our our new products that were in the pipeline and um any of you know the products if you google up rosa and bright it's beautiful it's quite simple clean very modern very kind of on trend how did you come up with the designs? How did you, did you really know that you wanted to be a high-end product? Did you really know that you, that was the market that you were going for? Yes, so we we, we did all of that work in advance. Um, so a lot of planning, exactly who we wanted to be, who we didn't want to be, um, you know, almost like a brand Bible of uh, you know, brand colors we were gonna use, where we wanted our products to sit in the, in the high street and where, more importantly, um, where we didn't want them to be. Um, and, and that helped us to decide where our price point was and therefore, the look of the product and how much we could spend on manufacture. So, um, so how long ago was Rosa and Beau? How, how long ago were you going through this process of, of really getting your brand bible and, and, and defining who you were? I would say that was about 2016 that we oh, did so that, and it was, like I said, it was forced by uh, by intellectual property issues with uh, when we went to expand our trademark into Germany. Um, it's literally a three month process and on the last day we were we were challenged by um, a very, very big company who everyone will know. Um, and even though they didn't really have a case, um, it, it was just too difficult a fight to, to start. So we, we backed off and, and came back with these two characters, which really ended up shaping the brand as it is today. So it, it's turned out to be a good thing, but it was not pleasant at the time. At the time, it must have been tough. And I think this is that you're really developing a product. How did you over, I mean, you, you kind of rebranded, but at the time, how did you feel? And how did you, how did you get the impetus to go on and, and to rebrand? Um, yeah, it, it was it was horrible. There was a lot of tears at the time <laughs> because uh, it was literally like someone had taken two years of my work and, and as soon as I decided to leave the comfort of England, because I had a trademark in England, um, that someone had just said, no, you can't do that. And I, I literally had to start again, like I said, with with branding, packaging, so, um, and, and, and an you, established name as well. We had established ourselves a little bit under that name and we had to then go out and, um, and, and tell the public that we were, we were changing. So that's just one of those things, but it's good that it happened when it did. Because now much it worse now. launched you off and you know what you're doing. Yeah. It's amazing. We're gonna have another song and then we're back with Laura with more of her amazing story um, about how she's been growing this incredible brand. So I'm Carmel Jane here with Carmel Jane Talks Business and we have the incredible entrepreneur, Laura Moody, who has um, developed products. She's an international uh, importer and exporter. I love her story. And we left it where she um, had developed some products, developed a brand, and then when she went, tried to go international, um, she found out that someone else already had to brand and she had to re completely rebrand her Rosa and Beau. So, uh, so some of the mummies in the know will know that this is a very on-trend brand, but what are your main products that you develop, Laura? 
Okay, so um, since we did the, the rebrand, um, we decided that we wanted to um, focus on um, sensory toys um, for children's development. I don't think um, there's many better jobs in the world, really, than making toys for, for children. Kids, yeah. <laughs> um, so, and um, obviously I know a little bit about child development and, um, and, and that sort of area. Um, so uh, we, at the moment, we have a range of teething toys. Um, uh, so little chewable toys that are safe for, for kids to put in their mouth at a young age um, and, and help those teeth come through. And also ours have the unique selling point of their flavoured. So the rosa is, is really gently flavoured with like a rose water. So it's quite calming. And the, the rabbit is, is mint, which is really good because um, it helps them get used to that taste of brushing. But it's very, very mild and it's a natural um, extract that's in there. So you had this great idea. You think we need some really child friendly, maybe slightly flavoured teething products then what? Then what do you do to actually get these products to market, to even get them made and then to market? So um, essentially, you start with a yeah with a concept, with an idea, getting that down on paper. Once you're happy with um, with that, then you can go on to make um, like CAD drawings, like three D drawings, which obviously not I don't personally make those, <laughs> an engineer would um, to make the three D product, um, and then it will be a case of getting samples made. Um, so you'd need a sample mold made up. Um, so do it sounds. So you've you've been doing this, Laura. You know what you're talking about. But so do you just where do you find these people? Because you must need good people. And where do you get a sample mold makeup? Is, do you just Google that and find companies that make stuff in I the think UK? Um, I mean, I was very, very nervous about doing anything, um, especially that went in a child's mouth because of the, mm. you know, the safety, safety aspects and all of that sort of stuff. So I worked quite closely with a, a consultant who had experience in this area and had made um, teething products and toys for young children in the past. So she kind of handhelded me th through the process, put me in touch with the right factories, um, made sure that the testing was right. So initially, um, there's a couple of parts of our, of our teether that weren't going to meet the... Um, the, the standards because it's very, very strict testing. Right. So they weren't going to meet it. So we had to make a change, but we were able to do that prior to um, having the samples made so that we knew that when we went to manufacture that that product was going to pass and it was going to be safe. So it sounds like quite a time-consuming and actually expensive exercise. So was you, were you, did you get any um, venture capital funds? Did you take it alone or were you just funding it from working <laughs> with your funky medical and working as a midwife? So I managed to fund most of the brand through um, through yeah, working capital through the business. Um, when I went to develop the um, the teethers and the the toy um, that we did after that, um, I got so excited about making this toy and the concept of that that I didn't realise it would be quite as expensive as it was. Um, so and I I did need to go to the bank for that for that because the, after the teethers and they did very well, your next product was Russian doll type inspired toy, wasn't it? Yep, that's right. So um, I love Russian dolls, absolutely love them. My daughter loves them. Um, but anyone that knows what Russian dolls are, are like, they are a decorative item. They are not safe for young children. As soon as you get to about the third one in there, bit of a choking hazard. Um, so basically, we went on to create the first Russian doll toy that's safe for children. So you get the Russian dolls inside each other, but instead you get the bunny in the middle who's still quite large. And um, he's got a little rattle inside him as well. So the kids can... Um, learn through that product by stacking and colour coordination and uh, as well as... Uh, I've done a photo shoot, shoot with Laura and actually we had some kids in doing it and they loved the toys. It was it was really exciting to see. It was easy to photograph because they were so engaged um, with, this, with the idea of the Russian doll. So you say it was expensive because you actually had to... Once you got the product developed, you had to go again about, out to China, you got it made, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. And, and there was a big investment, wasn't there, in getting it 
getting the tool, even just the tools made before you even got any product, you had to spend a lot of money just to get the tools to make the actual product, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. I didn't. I, I wasn't kind of uh, again. It's just something I learn over. You learn over time. But uh, plastic tooling is 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 quite an expensive process. So um, once we had the the tool made, then we had the testing fees. Then we had the production fees and everything else. Um, that came yeah, with it. And, lo so. and lots of risk, but it seems to be paying off, which is amazing. Where did you get help? So I know there's Department of International Trade is, is, is pretty helpful, oh, they, this kind of thing. Yeah, they, they're fantastic. They're fantastic. They have been um, much more helpful in expanding the business out worldwide, um, that, you know, in terms of helping with grant funding, helping towards exhibiting out in the biggest nursery shows in the world. Because um, Laura got some good news. She actually goes as far afield as New Zealand now, don't you? So how many countries is, is your Rosa and Bo sold in? Uh, currently sold in 12 countries um, and I think we've got probably four more in the pipeline. So oh. major, mainly in um, Europe and um, as you said in Kamel's home country, New Zealand, yeah. um, Australia and some places in Southeast Asia as well now. So Korea and, and uh, hopefully Taiwan. Soon. And so Department of International Trade helped you with that. How else, how else do, you, do you get, you go to big distribution fairs where people can see your product and you sell them direct to distributors is that how it works yeah yeah so there's um there are big um, nursery fairs that happen that are just for trade only so the only people that are going there are stores and and, and distributors and, and they're coming to meet small brands um and we go in a uk pavilion so there's um all the uk companies go together and fly the british flag and that's supported by the department of international trade so we all get a little bit of help to to go out there and grow our businesses and, and get them exported Fantastic. We're just going to have um, a song now and I'm going to come back to hear more of Laura's amazing and inspirational story. Phoenix FM.
So it's Carmel Jane here with Carmel Jane Talks Business, the show helping everybody, but predominantly female entrepreneurs to dream bigger, believe bigger, and really make a difference. I have got one of my favorite entrepreneurs here, Laura Moody, who's telling us about her journey, about um, actually creating products for babies, flying out to China, getting the products told, a whole load of risk and um, innovation that she's had to go through to get where she is. And she's just told us she's now, her products are now being sold in 12 countries around the world. And it's just amazing because um, for those of you who, don't, who can't see, which you obviously can't, so on the radio, she is 39 weeks pregnant with her second child. So she's been juggling a family. She still works one day a week as a midwife. She has, she sells all sorts of funky medical, that's the name of her company things, and she's been developing products for babies. So she has teething and she has Russian dolls. So you're a bit of an ideas girl, Laura. What's the next idea? Is, or is this under wraps so no one steals it? Yes, unfortunately, this is something I've learned the hard way, um, is that um, things stay very much under wraps. Because you, you did get burned by this, did you? you uh, yes, I, I did. Um, yeah, I, I developed a, um, a product, I can't be too specific, um, and um, I thought, take, take the risk out, take it to a, to a show, um, show it around, see what the feedback I would get with it would be. And um, yeah, it was taken out very quickly by a... Um, uh, a, a big player, so um, and completely ripped off, um, and they did it much quicker than I could have done it. So that was that was a bit of a shame, but it was a really good lesson learned, and it wasn't a protectable idea. Um, yes, because that's what you were saying that you have to have something that can be protected. And, and and what do you mean by that? Like, give us some examples of or some idea. On what, on what that how you, how you can protect it so people can't copy okay so I mean obviously I'm not uh, an intellectual property lawyer or anything like that but there are, there are many ways that you can protect products if it's um, through patents and design protection um, and then there's some copyright that you get naturally um, but you do need some kind of USP really to to be able to protect certain aspects of um, of a design and some things are just not. So, so top tip, as I say, we're not we're not lawyers here. But if you do have a great idea, really do protect it. Say so Laura took it to market without in, without the protections, and then she she got ripped off and had to had to start again. But you've you've had some big challenges that you've over, overcome, which is amazing. So there's people out there, hopefully listening, thinking, oh, I've got a bit of a dragon's den idea. I've got a great idea. This has been absolute inspiration. What are your three top tips, Laura? Okay, um, I think uh, just to, to be quite careful, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that say, oh, you know, you know, I'm, re I'm a very positive person and I do want to drive people to do things, but be careful, do your market research, don't ask your family and friends necessarily for advice. Um, um, <laughs> Laura and I uh, have had some coaching with, with James Sinclair, who's fantastic. He's amazing. He's helped me get me where I am today. And he says, unless, unless, you, unless your uncle's Warren Buffett, don't listen to family. And I think that's unless they really are in business, don't listen to your family. Because I, I think when we were talking to you, your family weren't, they weren't unsupportive, but they weren't supportive either. They weren't saying, yeah, great, this is a good idea, go out and risk loads of money and, and be an entrepreneur, were they? No, they called, it, they called it a pipe dream when I booked the flight to China. And that was, yeah, that was... Hey, you had the last Ten years laugh, ago. Though. You had the last yeah, laugh. They, they were great families, don't get me wrong. It's just, um, yeah, they... Because I think people, your family want to protect you and they want to do what's best. And if they're not entrepreneurs and they don't want to take risk, they're not going to be the ones that are encouraging you to, to do something that what you did was really high risk. I mean, it's, it's, it's all paid off now. But you say, you know, you copyright and, and having ideas stolen. It hasn't been easy, has it? No, no, no. And, and, and I don't expect it to get any easier. You know, there's always going to be challenges. And that's the problem. Um, you just need to... Uh, yeah, we almost expect the unexpected and, and go with the flow and, and try not to let these things uh, get to you too much. You just overcome the challenges. But here we
Kia, Carmel Jane Talks Business. I'm with Laura Moody telling us our story about Funky Medical. And for those in the know, Rosa and Bo with their very high-end and gorgeous products for babies. Um, so you've really told us your story. You've had a lot of challenges. It's been difficult. It's really getting there. It's going to be fantastic. But where can you see yourself and Rosa and Bo in five years' time? Oh, it's exciting. Um, uh, we're talking about James and Claire earlier. We were just mm. saying um, someone that we've both worked with, and they always say you know you can underestimate um, where you can or well, overestimate where you can be in a year, but underestimate in five years. And I always think that's that's quite um, quite a good saying. Um, but essentially, we want to we want to build a bigger business, so we're going to have hopefully a bigger warehouse, um, more staff. Um, I think the main thing for me is I just love to make products. So I've already got the next two or three in my head at the moment and one committed to paper. So um, we're going to be bringing I'm so out... nosy. I want to know. <laughs> I know you can't tell us, can you? We've got, uh, so we've got at least two more products coming out this year. Um, and uh, we want to obviously continue to build our distribution network abroad, um, our, our distribution network here in the UK. We've got a couple of big stores um, that we want to be in by the end of by the end of this year, hopefully, um, in the UK, but we'll... Um, How are you going to balance it with a newborn baby? And a ah. four-year-old? She's five. She's, five. Well, she's at school, so that's just... Ah. She's just started school, so I've just got a lot more time on my hands, which is fantastic. Um, no, not in a week's time. <laughs> You're going to have a newborn and, baby. Uh, and now I'm starting all over again. So um, I don't know. Hey, let's, the baby let's see is there to give you more ideas. I'm sure that yes. having a newborn is going to create some problems that you are just, as an entrepreneur, you want to solve. And I think listening to this, you can hear Laura's passion for what she, do, but, for what she does, but it's taking risk. And being an entrepreneur, you need the ideas then you need to back it up with the business acumen to make these ideas. And it's a long old path that you've, you've, you've travelled to get here. Um, it has been wonderful to have you in the studio. Oh, wait a minute, before we go, I'm sure there's a few people listening who think, oh, Rosa and Bo, where can we find you? Are you on um, social media, on the website, it's just Rosa and Bo? Rosa and Bo, um, yep, so R-O-S-A-A-N-D-B-O. And um, um, I know, I know you put a lot of customer images up on Instagram, so if you fancy yourself as a bit of a photographer with the products, send them on in. And it's been really, really wonderful to have you in here. All the best for the next five years and probably the next five days um, and, and the new baby on the way. So thank you. Hello, I am Carmel Jane here with my new show, Carmel Jane Talks Business, every one till three on Phoenix 98 FM. In the first hour, we had the amazing entrepreneur, Laura Moody, and her fantastic baby products, Rosa and Bo. And right now, I'm in the studio with Emma Good from 24 Fingers, who um, describes herself as mother Buddhist and all-round internet uh, social media guru. We've been talking about what platforms should you be on if you're in a business in, in business and you're trying to reach your customers. You might be business to business or business to consumer. And we've talked about Facebook, three million active users in the UK, but the age range is probably 23 plus, I think it's a bit older than that. And um, YouTube, which with the shocking and, um, and and kind of unbelievable statistic that nine they reckon 97% of all 18 to 24 year olds in the UK are on YouTube. Um, it is the place to be and, and learn out how to do things and, and put your message out there. But there's there's others. I mean, Twitter. Oh, I know that um, old Donald Trump's pretty keen on Twitter. And if you want to make social commentary, you can. 
Twitter's not something that me as a business I've used an awful lot. I probably possibly this radio show would be I think it would be a good platform, but but what what's the story about Twitter, Emma? So at the moment, Twitter's got about twelve million users in the UK. Um, it's had a resurgence really, and it's the place now to go for news, sports, and opinions. So if you've got something to say about anything in the world, head on over to Twitter, where you will meet the likes of Trump and Piers Morgan and Alan Sugar. Um, it's a place that you can't be vanilla, you can't be boring. You need to kind of put your flag in the sand and stand for something. Interestingly, though. Um, 44% of all online teenagers are now on Twitter. So they're using Twitter to watch um, videos, live sports, for example. And that might surprise some people. Wait, yeah, Emma. I'm <laughs> feeling really old now. Um, watching live sport on Twitter? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well. Live stream. Um, lots of the American um, games are now live streamed through Twitter. So w what we're seeing is that children, um, you know, teenagers and young adults are on Twitter. They're catching up with the news. They're catching up with the sports. People think Twitter's dying and dead. It, it's not. It, it's definitely changed. So you just, and I think this is interesting. I think it's sort of Facebook. I think you do have to be a bit vanilla. It's all very positive and lovely. But actually, Twitter, you, you've got to be a bit opinionated and, and, and put yourself out there and, and be concise, which maybe that's why I'm not on Twitter. Because <laughs> I do, I do like words. Got to say, I do like a few words. Um, Instagram, I love Instagram, and, and there's some really incredible um, influencers and people out there who are, as you say, you know, cur curating their their Instagram feed, and it's it's just beautiful, isn't it? It's just really, really fantastic. So, 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 throw us a few stats on Instagram. So, Insta at the moment, 18 million users in the UK. It's the fastest growing platform for 18 to 34 year olds. You're absolutely right, though. You need fantastic visual, creative content. Content, you 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 will find that if you go on Insta without thinking about how your feed actually looks, you won't grow as quickly as you would like. So think about what theme. Are you going dark? Are you going light? Are you going portrait? Right. Are you going landscape? I have just signed up. I'm sure there's plenty of other apps out there. It's an app called Plan, P-L-A-N-N. Um, and it's amazing. So we can plan our... Um, what I, and we can see what the Instagram feed's going to look like and then you can schedule them. It gives you ideas. It, it sort of tells you what colours you've been using. And we've only, we've only had it, um, I say we, because the, the amazing Claire Collinson is helping me do it, one of my employees. Um, but it's really, really powerful tool. So especially uh, Carmel Jane Photography, we've, we've got to look like we take good photos. We've got to look really pulled together. We have to look curated. But I think anyone nowadays, you do need fantastic images. What you find is if a user goes onto your Insta feed and doesn't like the overall look of the feed, they'll just bounce off straight away. So the first kind of nine pictures on there needs to look well planned out. And I think, you know, you've just mentioned an app there. Yeah, but actually think about it. Think about how each colour and how each image will work against the previous one. Um, it needs some time and it needs some thought, but if you can invest a little bit of thinking time in it, it will pay dividends in the end. So who's mainly on Instagram? I, I get the feeling it's teenage girls and yummy mummies. To be honest, it's pretty much everyone now. It's 18, it's 18 to 34 year olds. It's not going to be for your kind of um, 55 pluses, but it will be anybody that wants to be inspired. So think hashtag inspo. Um, it's fashion. Inspo, hashtag inspo. You hear it here. <laughs> hashtag inspo. It's um, travel. It's food. It's lifestyle. Lifestyle. Excellent. And we have one more before we go to a song, um, Snapchat, which I am... Uh, 
well, proud or embarrassed, I'm not sure to say, I don't even, I kind of know what it is. My kids use it all the time. I have never even seen an, a Snapchat. I think the boys won't let me let me look, but tell us about Snapchat. Well, I, I feel the same as you. Snapchat is not my natural habitat. It's a place for 18 to 24 year olds. It will reach 16 million users though this year. So it is a, it is a platform for some brands to take advantage of. It's for um, retail, it's for fashion, it's for sports. It's great for quick fire content where you want somebody to take action, not for your average accountant, not for your average high street business. So if you hear anybody advising you, you must be on Snapchat because it's a social media platform. Think again. Now, um, I'm, I'm picking that on Phoenix 98 FM, we haven't got a whole lot of teenagers. They should all be in school anyway, listening to this. Just, just in a few words, what is what is Snapchat and how does it work? So Snapchat is a way of capturing a moment. You can um, capture something and, and have it disappearing content afterwards. So it's a way of building up very quick fire kind of previews and kind of teaser campaigns, not for your content that you want there to be um, kind of long lasting. It's um, mostly video based and, ch and teenagers use it to build up kind of stories of their evenings. If ever you want to know what your teenagers are up to, you can probably look at their Snapchat story and kind of work backwards. Little hint there for the parents. I still, I still don't really feel like I know what it is. I think the goldfish generation is, you know, Snapchat has been designed for them. This is fantastic. We've got a few more platforms, uh, social media platforms we're going to talk about. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm Carmel Jane and this is the Carmel Jane Talks Business Show from 1 to 3 every Wednesday here on Phoenix 98FM. Hopefully you've been really enjoying the show and the format we're going to have is for the first hour I'm going to have hopefully a fantastic entrepreneur or someone with really, really amazing advice to talk to you about what, what, how to help you with your business. And then at the top of the hour, after the news, we're going to have Emma Goodin, who's from 24 Fingers, talking all things social media for for a bit that today we're looking at what platform should I be on um, because it's so there are so many so many options out there so hi Emma thank you for coming in today great to be here thanks Kamel excellent and there is there is so many platforms to be on um, what what's your preferred options well I, I personally just love Twitter I can't get away from it um, if I was running a retail brand though it's Facebook and Instagram all the way and I'm going to share today um, the ways to work out what platform you should be on because not every business needs to be on every platform. Yeah, and I think it's really important, isn't it, that you choose one, maybe two, and do them super properly. Says the, says the girl who's on four. <laughs> um, I probably should cut down, but or, but yeah, you do have to, they t they're really time consuming, aren't they? They are, they can be. Um, I think it all comes back to strategy, you know, what's your business objective? And that will kind of define what platform you should be on. I always advise clients to think about their ideal clients, look at where they hang out, are they a parent, do they work, what hobbies, what groups do they enjoy? That will kind of define what platforms they should be on. This is something you've got to find your tribe. And I think that's, um, that's so, and it, is, it is quite tribal. People want to go where they're with other like-minded people. And you've got to say, who, who, who's my tribe? Who do I want to talk to and, 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 and get into conversation with? Exactly right. And you'll often hear the word avatar. So avatar is a way of describing a user persona. And when you build up your avatar, you're going to get a much better idea of where you should be hanging out. So um, crazy stat for you right now, there's 83% of the UK adult population on social media. 83% of the adult population. So who, who's the 17% that are? Probably the, the over 90s by the sounds of things. Maybe. Um, so Facebook's probably the first one to look at. I mean, that is, um, I'm of an age. I'm kind of the mummy age. I'm a pretty typical Facebook user. And I, I find it great because it's very easy to get into from a 
from a personal, um, you know, you, I'm from New Zealand, you might have heard in my voice, so I can liaise with friends and talk to friends and family from abroad. But but Facebook, is that the biggest platform? Facebook is biggest. So at the moment, there's over 30 million active users in the UK. Uh, the age range of a Facebook user is typically kind of 20, 20, 23 upwards. It's losing a little bit of ground to the younger audience, so they're going over to Snapchat. How are the teenagers on it? Because I've got 16-year-old boys and they're not on Facebook and they think it's Deeply um, uncool. Deeply uncool. Uh, so the teenagers aren't on Facebook, and what's happening is that the younger people are dropping off, but the elder, oh, sorry, the older user, the 55 pluses, are coming back onto Facebook. So. I know this because my mother and my aunts are liking, sharing, <laughs> and I think they're spending their entire semi-retired life on Facebook, aren't they? <laughs> I think the biggest thing for Facebook for business, though, um, I'll often hear people say, well, you know, I'm a business, why am I on Facebook? Because that's only for consumers. Actually, the biggest biggest benefit of Facebook is their ad targeting campaign and their platform and you can do such brilliant things using their platform to get you more prospects and customers. Well, do you know what, Emma, I want to go into that in a little bit more detail on another day because I think actually this is such a massively broad topic where you could be here for about 20 hours we talking could. about all the, all the different platforms. So so Facebook, as you're 23 plus, I'm, I'd argue that's even getting a little bit older than that. Um, and it has 30 million active users in the UK, so it's okay. huge. And the other thing, which I've, I've, I'm, I've got a YouTube channel, I've had it for about a year, but I never really used YouTube. And I now, I say with 16 year old twin boys, you know, YouTube is just their go-to. And actually, and a husband, uh, shout out to my gorgeous Jimmy, who loves a bit of DIY. And if there's something to do around the house, he's straight on YouTube. And you can find out anything in the whole world how to do it. That's right. And I've got another crazy stuff for you. So of all online 18 to 24 year olds in the country, 97% ah. of them are on YouTube. They're um, not doing the dishes because they're on YouTube, yeah. 97%. So if you've got a teenager, invariably they're gonna be on, on YouTube and they're gonna be consuming video content. But as a business owner, you know, I'm pretty sure that my, my kids are watching skateboard videos or basketball videos. So, so who if if we as, as if we if we're business owners, we're trying to get our message out there. Yep. Um, I know I kind of do a lot of behind the scenes. I do some content. I think it's a really good way for people to know me and my brand. I don't think I use it as effectively as I could. But if you're a business owner, uh, I mean, how do you suggest we use YouTube? So if you've got great video content or if you're a company that can produce great video content, use YouTube to get you more customers through their paid targeting. So that works with the Google AdWord platform. So YouTube and Google are combined and you can reach more of your ideal customers via YouTube. The caveat to that is that your video content must be of a great quality and whatever videos you put out there needs to engage within the first few seconds, otherwise you'll lose them. It is, it is the goldfish generation, isn't it? That, um, that you have to pull them in very, very quickly, otherwise they won't watch. That said, I have watched photography tutorials which have been quite boring, but they've had loads of views and the photographer is, is you know, they're so well known that I still keep watching. But yeah, you have, you have to pull them in within those first few seconds. Completely. Right. It's all about compelling storytelling. And I think that's the key to any great content. 
So first hour, we had a fantastic entrepreneur telling her journey um, to success um, importing and exporting products. And now we have Emma Good from 24 Fingers, which is a social media company knowing about all things social media. And we've been looking at what platform, what social media platform or network you should be on if you're running a business. Um, and we've been through the main ones. And the, the other ones to look at is LinkedIn. Now, I am, I understand LinkedIn. It's been described as, as um, Facebook for grown-ups. And it is it's a fantastic place to get news and some really, really great business articles. But um, um, tell us a little bit about LinkedIn, Emma. So LinkedIn is going to be, if you want to target 25 to 44-year-olds, it's for business communication. It's for showcasing what your company is doing. So great behind the scenes coverage um, is a good thing to put on LinkedIn. Also, any charity and community um, events that you've got on, people love to see that on LinkedIn. It's a place to um, build up your social media authority. So if, if you've got um, an expert opinion, you can create articles on LinkedIn and you can get known for what you know. Because you can, you can write in, but there's a, there's LinkedIn and I should know this, where you actually write the articles. Yeah. Like you almost like write a blog on LinkedIn and it, it, it gets more traction that way, doesn't it? Yeah, so there's something called Pulse on LinkedIn. So that gives you the opportunity to write a long form article that you can then share with your network. You can post that into groups and that's a great way of building up your authority and getting known to be an expert in your field. And it's one of the, the platforms that you don't have to pay too much, unlike Facebook, which if you're if you're business on Facebook, you've got to you've really got to pay unless you're super good at it to get any traction. But actually on LinkedIn, you, you can start building out your profile. It's, you don't have to pay to get to get your message out there, do you? You don't have to pay there. They do offer um, targeted options. It's going to be um, the most costs um, costly in terms of cost and um, pay-per-click model. Um, compared to Facebook for targeting consumers, LinkedIn is way more expensive, but I'd use LinkedIn as a place to build up your authority in your field and become like expert. I've actually posted job, um, jobs on LinkedIn and had, had had a really good response and they, they suggest people for you. So uh, I've used it for that as well, which worked very, very well, because I think you, as, as is business to business, yep. you're, you're targeting business people. I think what we're seeing on LinkedIn more and more is it's become a little bit more Facebook. Since recently, they've started using hashtags on LinkedIn. They've started doing content feeds on LinkedIn. And again, don't be afraid to show real life. Don't be afraid to be human. Some of the stories on... No, I heard a story someone and their business isn't doing very well because they got copied and they're on there crying. Mm. I don't recommend being too human. <laughs> don't don't cry if things aren't going well. But I do agree. Be relatable. relatable. That's probably a better better way of saying it. But uh, but yeah, I think being being that person and being the face behind your brand and the company is a great way with LinkedIn that it's not just um, just just the name, it's it's people behind it. Now um, Emma has given me a list of all the platforms and one she's put on here is WhatsApp. I didn't see that as a social media platform. I thought that was a way of all the rugby team mums to send millions of WhatsApps to know what's going on. My tennis club uses it. Um, so so how do you see it as a, a social media platform? So um, WhatsApp is the fastest growing platform. It um, can be really handy for businesses to form exclusive clubs. So you, ah. can, you can make a group on WhatsApp and invite your exclusive VIP customers join your group and give them previews to new product arrivals or discount codes or events that you want them to attend. Think of it as um, as a way of building up um, exclusivity, if you like. There's actually a lot of people use WhatsApp instead of text. And I was, um, I recently went out to Las Vegas. It was for a school's photography conference. It was.
does work, I promise. And we're talking a lot about actually the millennials um, are now not just our customers, they're becoming our, our competition if you're running a business. And you think probably my age group, I'm, I'm in my 40s, emails is where it's at, older people might be phone calls, but the younger ones, they want text. They, their, their emails are on their phone, a lot of them don't even have a computer. And so actually this ties in really well. They want to find out about it on a text message. They don't want to sit down and do their emails every night for three hours like some of us. Um, so is that where that, but it wasn't designed as a social media platform, was it? It was designed initially as a communication tool, but since it's been brought out by Facebook, um, there's a wealth of opportunities for business owners to tie the two together. So you can do things like Facebook target and then add in a WhatsApp call to action. So just as you said, people like to use WhatsApp rather than text. You can link the two together. That's quite a neat and clever thing to do. Okay, there's probably going to be more conversation off air when Emma's done because I don't think we can have the full conversation, <laughs> but it's just really interesting to know that it's out there um, and the, these are more ways of really, really connecting, especially if you're, say, targeting the millennials. I think the, the whole ability to text sounds amazing. And Pinterest is another one, which is, has it been a little bit, I, I do use it for ideas, um, photographically, there's, there's always those photographers you want to share behind the scenes and amazing photos and I use it for my quotes and things. But I still don't quite know how it works. Okay. So think of Pinterest as your inspiration board. It, again, it's another lifestyle platform. It's for beauty, it's for fashion, it's for cooking, it's for interiors. And great business that here that 90% of people that go onto Pinterest weekly use the platform to make a purchasing decision. So how do they make a purchase decision? Where do they see it? Or am I just not looking at the same kind of stuff that's encouraging me to buy? Well, they're obviously inspired by something that they've seen and because you can buy and visit a website directly from Pinterest, they're seeing a beautiful product or a beautiful um, uh, recipe, for example, and then they're clicking to buy those ingredients or buy that product. Because to put your, your photos on Pinterest, they have to be published somewhere else, don't they, on the web? No, you can upload directly to Pinterest and I'd always um, recommend directly linking that back to your website so that you've got another route for traffic to come from your from uh, social onto your website. So create a board, um, think about what's going to be included on your board, upload your pictures and then send people from Pinterest directly back to your yeah, website. I'm surprised that 90% of, of weekly pinners use a platform to make purchase decisions. Um, but that's, again, don't want to spread myself too thin, but I do, I do like Pinterest for my own inspiration, which is very good. Thank you so much for coming in, Emma. This has been fantastic. I've been learning things as well. This is great. I'm going to my own um, personalised social media uh, lesson every week. This is going to be fantastic. Um, and Emma is going to be back with us every uh, Wednesday after two o'clock with loads of great ideas on, on how to use social media and marketing to um, really get your message out there. I actually had a text message saying, Carmel, how on earth have you got a radio show about business? And I think a few of you out there might have some of my photos in your house, particularly if you're a mum of a certain age with children. Um, but actually the business has grown a lot now and I have about 15 full-timers plus some part-time and contractors. And I had someone help, a big shout out to my incredible business coach, James Sinclair, um, who from Party Man World, who really did push me harder. And, and my whole thing with this show is if you're anyone listening, but if particularly if you're a woman listening and you've got a business, you've got an idea that you want to grow, I want to help you dream bigger, believe bigger. And so you can go out there and really, really make a difference. Um, I recently got Employer of the Year at the Chamber of Commerce uh, um, awards um, and that, I, I won three but that was the award that's super is the one I really wanted because I've got I employ 
largely women and we've got a really, really fantastic workplace I'm super proud of. And so I want other people to know, build the business, employ people, grow it, and, and then you can really make a difference to other people's lives. So if this sounds pretty good or you know someone who thinks, thank God they could learn a few things. We've had fantastic people in today. Laura Moody talking about her um, business. We, you know, she's gone out to China. She's had stuff made. She's now exporting products to 12 countries around the world. And then Emma Good with some super, super good tips about social media. And, and I learned a lot today, which was fantastic. So, hey, this is great. I get my, I get my, I get my business show and I get to be learning at the same time. So it's Carmel Jane on Phoenix FM with Carmel Jane Talks Business.